Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. Pigs get fat. Hogs get (laughs) slaughtered. Right. We've been saying that on this podcast a long time. You're getting your ass slaughtered right now. With SI's Pat Forty. Oh my gosh, the lack of, of vision and compassion throughout the last 20 years or 40 or 60 or whatever, college sports. Here's Pat and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. Season's going to come at some point. We're going to get to talk more football and less NIL collectives pay-for-play transfer portal i don't know what initiatives legislation squabbling bad gossip rumors about how big people's uh, nil packages are yeah there's that Mm. i don't know did you see the tweet last week that went uh wild uh will Bazer from uh he has a couple texas podcasts and he put out a tweet last week said texas is in the process of putting together a three million dollar nil to sway cincinnati defensive end Osif Josai. Okay. Uh, it got retweeted over 500 times, like 2000, appeared on message boards, Reddit, you know, all over the place. Talk radio, lit everything up. There is no Osif Josai. <laughs> I was going to say, Joseph I haven't heard of Osai. him. There's a Joseph Osai. <laughs> okay. So he switched the J, put the J in front of the second name instead of the first. Who played at Texas and then was drafted by the Bengals, the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. The Cincinnati defensive end, a Cincinnati Bengal defensive end. (laughs) He didn't play last year because of injury, but he's pretty good in camp and all that. So the whole thing was a joke, like it's a trolling joke. But because everyone's so hyped up and like looking for reasons the sky is falling. Yeah. They went with it. (laughs) And how many people even have since heard that it was a joke. It's a good question. It's like we've hit the misinformation stage of like, <laughs> yeah. just throw something out. If it if it confirms your viewpoint of the world, when repeat it. Yeah, sure. Even though the guy's fake, the whole story is fake. And it's, <laughs> I mean, it was funny. I don't, I'm not yeah. saying he had a, any like ill will. He probably was just having a good time with it. But it's like, what the? Ivan no. Renko moment. Ivan, yeah. There's no $3 million to this guy. It, that guy doesn't exist. If he, if his name was spelled differently, he plays for the Bengals, not the Bearcats. <laughs> but now, you know, you got somebody going, oh, here they're giving three oh, yeah. million defensive ends. You know, yeah. yeah. This is how crazy it is. Look. Yeah. It would get crazy if 
uh, the eligibility starts getting waived and you can start pulling pro players back in. That's a little wild. Well, <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah, that's a little crazy. I, that would, I mean, he would definitely be an impact player. <laughs> yeah. And he only played three years at Texas. Yeah. I mean, this is where we're at now. And so some of this panic is just a panic. It's just, it's, we're in panic mode. That's where we're at. So Pat, you reported some of this, the athletic, a lot of people did. There is a NIL crackdown coming, supposedly. Supposedly. Uh, supposedly. And it may, as soon as Monday, today, as we're taping this, uh, some conglomeration of college sports leaders are going to ask the NCAA to actually enforce their rules, which bar, bar collectives or boosters from being involved in the athletic, uh, in their recruitment process. Many of these people running collectives do not seem too concerned about it. Uh, what what can you tell us, Pat? What's the latest? Yeah, that, I mean, the, as the panic escalates, that's the next thing. Is of course, again, you know, we 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 have to first of all beseech Congress. We had people go meet with legislators la- late last week to do that, and then now the the latest. Yes, we are now asking enforcement. Uh, go do your civic duty, man. Go out and enforce the rules that, as they were intended and have completely not been listened to or applied at all, which was these are not supposed to be recruiting inducements. These are not supposed to be pay for play. This is not supposed to be, you know, if you sign with us, you get X amount of money before you've done anything. That's the uh, the hope there. And yeah, somebody I talked to, and there was a, a great deal of uh, misinterpretation of something that I tweeted on Friday. I talked to someone who works in the NCAA compliance space. Not necessarily someone who works at the NCAA, but people who work in compliance. Uh, And they said that what the NCAA can do and could do is compel players who have gotten big deals, like, say, Nigel Pack, who's getting 800 grand to go to Miami to play basketball, to sit down and say, tell us all the how all this went down. And we would like to see your phone records and this and that, you know, we would like to to know exactly what what all was involved in this. And the one thing everybody's like, well, just tell them no. Well, no, that's not how this works. Uh, now, I saw that. Mike Golick Jr. asked you that. I, yeah. I'm surprised Mike Golick Jr., who was a college athlete and has yeah. been in the media for a while, didn't understand that basic premise. Like, you have to speak. That's Yeah, yeah. Well, he said, isn't Kansas proof that you don't have to do that? No, no, no. Bill that Self sat a- down for a bunch of interviews with the NCAA. Bill that, was a, that wasn't a player-driven investigation. Right. No, not was, at all. That came from the bag men. Yeah, right. The FBI compelled T.J. Gasnola to, 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 to talk to them in the yes. harshest possible way. Right. It's either that or you're going in. Right, exactly. And so, yeah, you can say, no, I'm not going to talk to you. But if you have eligibility, they can also then turn around and say, you're ineligible. They can do that. Now, okay, you want to file a lawsuit or try to get an injunction against that? Go ahead. But that's the rules of the of the membership of the association. So that's what they would try to do is then, okay, everybody, you have to at least comply with the investigation and tell us how this went down. And then now, do you have to tell the truth? I don't think so. You, you can say whatever the hell you want, which is basically, you know, Kansas could say, no, TJ Gasnola had nothing to do with our recruitment of these guys, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but that's where the investigation rubber hits the road of, you know, can they prove it? And they could do they, they can't make you tell the truth and they can't necessarily prove that something happened all that easily unless they can get a hold of records, documents that prove that it prove otherwise. 
I can see where the NCAA is going with this. I just don't know, again, whether it will lead to any actual enforceable sanctions. So there's there's multiple things here. Entire story, this entire thing is just so conflated and overlapping and confused. I mean, it is a maze, and I don't blame people for being extremely confused, right? Yes. Because it's hard to always talk about, it's like not everyone's talking the same language. Um, so I get that. So one of them is, you know, the the idea, and there was a, a story in The Athletic with these guys saying, you know, you know, the, the crackdown's not going to work. Well, here's a agent, Russell Smith from Encore Athlete Marketing. He's got about 80 guys. Uh, I think it's adorable. The NCAA is actually going to crack down on anything. The moment they try to interfere with one of my clients' deals, the next day is the moment they get with an antitrust lawsuit. Uh, no doubt that would be coming. I think the question when you talk to people in college athletics is, we're not saying you can't get the deal necessarily, but who did you talk to? Is there a way to thread that antitrust needle? Um, and can we scare these collectives enough or at least the schools, so they start trying to corral their collective. I mean, the funniest part of all of this is it's all the rules in the NCAA are because nobody trusts each other and nobody will abide by the rules. <laughs> yeah, that's so. I've always said that's why the rule book is as thick as the biggest Bible. There, there's a rule for everything because they've broken all the rules. Let's uh, let's Sully. Let's uh, you know, no offense, but let's take Tennessee as the example here. Okay. <laughs> So let's say Tennessee's out there with their collective, you know, offering pay for play deal for recruits, which yeah. probably just didn't grasp that out of nowhere. <laughs> if if Tennessee told their their collective to knock it off or even said anyone you make a deal with, we're not recruiting. It would end. Right. Maybe. I mean, you then. The collective. They're going to pay kids that don't go to Tennessee. Well, the collective. Well, the collective can point and say. Hey, it's legal now that I could do this. You could, we're going to do whatever the hell we want, type of thing. And it's up to Tennessee to decide who they're recruiting. The collective cannot tell Tennessee they have to recruit this player because we gave them a million dollars. But the collective can talk <laughs> so, to the coach, and the coach can supersede the the administrators. Well, except the collective isn't supposed to talk to the coach. But the state Look, of Tennessee said it's legal now. Stopped. Yeah. All I'm saying is this could be stopped. Like this, it reminds me of the NFL stands around and they come up with rule after rule to make people interview African-American coaches and try to hire. And it's like, there's 32 of you. <laughs> <laughs> like, why don't you just start doing it? Right. It's not like you got to pass a law across the entire country and say, hey, you can't do this anymore. Whatever that this is, because there's. There's only a few of you. So it's like if you stop, if you really want to crack down, you have to count on the people actually cracking down. But this being college sports and part of the reason why I love college sports. <laughs> yeah. Some of these schools are like, yeah, we're I mean, this this is totally out of control. This is completely out of control. So we're going to be the most out of control. <laughs> and I mean, I love that. I'm not criticizing yeah. it. I'm yeah. just saying some of this stuff is really funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because all that has to happen is you go. A couple of these schools go, we will not, if we find out you talk to one of our guys, we're not going to recruit that guy anymore. Now you, okay. So now you'd have like the, like sneak into the Alabama one and start, you're right, you'd be Tennessee. You're like you could try, you know, but if everyone just self-policed, we'd be all right, but nobody will self-police and no one no, trusts but I mean, of all places to look for self-policing, <laughs> I mean, 
you know, they, 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 this is like when the five crime families got together and like, all right, we're just going to all we're going to we're going to cooperate. No, that's not really the way it's going to work out. Well, I mean, it did till Michael Corleone took over <laughs> until he settled all family business. If yeah. Sonny, if, Sonny if, if if Michael got hit by a lightning bolt, right? Vito was going to rain down hell. Yes. If, yes. if a, some unfortunate accident befalls my son. Yeah. Uh, but there was some peace. Like, yeah, hey, guys, get your get your in order. Yeah. I don't know who these people are that are running our collective. Well, I think you do. They probably graduated <laughs> from the school. So yes. this is a, it's a pack of thieves going around going, well, so now they got to try. So right. that's that's your uh, that's your first issue. Like, I mean, yeah. you want to solve it? And I mean, right. you literally listen to these coaches and they'll be like, this is the end of the sport. OK, mm-hmm. well, just don't. Why don't you? Well, hey, now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, as, as, as Jack Swarbrick told me when I talked to him a couple of weeks ago, unilateral disarmament is never a great idea. So no one's going to so. unilaterally disarm. But let, let's be clear on how this can be solved. Yes. Behave yourself. Yeah. Right. If I got to come back in that room, one of my <laughs> children's heads getting knocked against the other kid. Right. Don't make me come up there. That's right. <laughs> That's, the NCAA is at that point. Don't make me I come will, up there. Yeah, I will stop this car, right? <laughs> so I don't know what to tell you. So you want to solve the problem, stop backstabbing each other. Yeah. Because we're only talking about a few schools here. That's it. You could say, well, there's thousands of schools. Nah, not really. It's going to be about 20 that are going to do this thing off the chip. You know, right? Most of them don't want to do it. You see Ohio State, Alabama. Right. No. They're not Clemson. They're not going all in on this. They're, they they're not going to get left behind. What was right. it like uh, uh, Bear Bryant's old line? I won't be first, but I won't be last. Right. When it came to integration, like yeah, so, such a such a warm, cuddly uh, sentiment. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Bear. Appreciate it. Um, but like, if you guys just policed yourself, so now. They want to throw it on this enforcement staff to police it. I, I will not speak for you. I don't think this is the end of the world. I think just let this thing play out. It'll be all right. But if you want to stop it, I, I can't criticize the NCAA for trying to enforce the rules that they have. So, no. I, good I mean, luck. No, yeah. I mean, but again, if they had been forward thinking enough to see maybe how this could go and to really have come up with a, a good structure and framework and a clear message of we will come after you if you do X, Y, and Z, then this might have not gotten quite to the point that it has. It might still have, I'm sure it still would have, the horse would have been out of the barn, but the horse is so far out of the barn now that it's 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 in the next county. And so uh, now putting it back in is the hard part because the NCAA, as usual, reacting instead of acting, uh, not seeing the situation for everything it was going to be. I mean, and again, this goes back to in the, the, the heart of the early months of the pandemic in like May or April 2020. Remember listening to the conference call with the usual suspects, Val Ackerman and Gene Smith heading the NIL committee. And they're like, yep, we're going to have NIL. Start asking them questions. How? Well, we're not sure. What's it going to look like? We don't know. What's it going to, you know, when's it going to, we're not, we're working on that. I mean, they just well, kind of you, you kind of got to let it. You kind of got to let it settle. Here's Gene Smith mm-hmm. to the Athletic. Again, this is the Ohio State AD, NCAA. When people talk the NCAA, uh, and obviously we're very critical of Mark Emmert and all that for not guiding this. But 
The NCAA is your athletic director. It's your university president. Yep. It's your conference commissioner. It's not this, these people, you know, and the people at the NCAA want to make this work. Uh, Gene Smith, Ohio State, very powerful guy. We had to make a business decision to say, you know what? This is a line in the sand. There's going to be risk with the position that we're taking. There always is with these types of things. We could get sued. But for the betterment of the whole and all the student athletes we serve, we've got to take that risk. Okay? So basically what these guys are saying is we should have done it a year ago. We're going to do it now. Better late than never. Can we curtail this? I doubt it. But I will say if they can find the way to hammer a school, I mean, I doubt it. But if you can find a way to make it so that a coach and an athletic department will look at their collective and their boosters and say, we're not doing this. You don't run us. Right. Maybe. But I don't know if that they may just replace you with a new coach. But if you could get a couple of these schools to stop, you could probably stop the totally outrageous stuff that people at least think is going on. Right. Like a $3 million payout to a fake player. <laughs> yeah. But that here's where, you know, and I mean, we are heading in with the NCAA transformation committee to more conference autonomy. And so conference meetings right now, whether it's SEC or whatever, these the spring and summer, these meetings, I think they, there needs to be some people coming to the table and saying, we intend to follow the rules. How about you, you know, in each of those conferences? Now, it's hard to do, but again, you need you need Alabama to step up and say we're going to we're going we're not going to tamper and we're going to do this through our collective for real. How about you, LSU? How about you, Auburn? How about you, Tennessee? And I'm just throwing out a theoretical cuz I'm not sure Alabama's going to be the leader on something like that. But that's what needs to happen. Is you need yeah. to get get there and sit on sit down in the room and look at each other and say, "You doing it or That's not?" That's what cracks me up. What I think the on three had uh, how, how Kirby Smart and Nick Saban are kind of leading this new push. Well, how do you think they got the number one and number two recruiting classes the last yeah. decade? Common sense dictates well, that they probably again, got them a certain way. Everybody's upset because of this is out of control, and since this has started. A new school, Texas A&M, got the number one recruiting class. Yep. The number one recruit in the country went to Jackson State. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Miami is suddenly yeah. active in basketball <laughs> and football. Oregon, maybe USC, maybe not. I mean, may, it, you know, there's USC's lost players this offseason in recruiting battles. So are they paying or not? Right? Did, did they really out for Jordan Addison this untold amount of money? Can't, te- Texas just lost a transfer portal player from TCU to Nebraska. So is Texas paying all this money or not? Right, right. So no, a- the players are sp- – Tennessee gets a quarterback that they haven't gotten since, you know, years. Uh, Notre Dame is recruiting really well. So, like, where's the problem? Is it – do we have to – because the last eight years have all been – uh, 10 years have been all Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama? Like, is it bad that Notre Dame might be better? Right. Is it no. bad that that Jackson State can get a player or Texas A&M might, well, we don't like Texas A&M stepping up. I don't see, the players are all going to play football next year. Right. I, I yeah. think I said, I've had so many conversations with so many athletic directors and conference people in the last, I, I may be repeating myself on the podcast, but 
a threat to college sports, the biggest threat to college sports I ever saw in my time of covering was when all of the top basketball players were going directly to the NBA. Right. When Kevin Garnett started that trend and Kobe Bryant followed and then LeBron James and and, and all of a sudden you're going all this sport is in a lot of trouble because all of the great players that you want to watch aren't coming. And that was a threat because what the hell is college basketball? If none of those, if, if all of a sudden 25 guy top 25 recruits go pro every year right. or more. exactly, Yeah. Then the product stinks. These guys yeah. are going to play somewhere. Right. So if this is what allows players to Tennessee to compete, okay. It's, again, I don't see the negative, but if they want to stop this, then yeah, Nick Saban, have Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and these guys can do it. The schools can police themselves, but nope, it will they. That's if it's such a big threat. Now, I, maybe at A&M in Tennessee or elsewhere, we'll just say we, we don't care. We like this, right? Maybe. That's the thing. I, I mean, again, we, yeah, these conferences... Uh, in addition to the national membership, and, you know, yeah, you can have, <clears throat> you know, if it, again, this is why the, the, the landscape is too broad, you know, and they may say, be saying at Colgate, yeah, you know, we don't want that. And, <laughs> and then Ohio State saying, what do we have in common with Colgate? Why are we even talking to them? But they actually but, have something in common with Colgate on this. They don't have anything in common maybe with Tennessee because it does not seem like Ohio State wants to be involved in this. Right, right. But to your I point about, to your point about, a little bit more recruiting diversity. Here's your rivals top 10 right now. And some of this, for A, disclaimers. It's May, yeah. things change. B, some of this is a numbers game just in terms of how many guys you're getting. But still, for right now, the top 10 teams in recruiting rankings. Texas Tech number one, Notre Dame two, Georgia three, Ohio State four, Penn State five, Tennessee six, Arkansas seven, USC eight, Louisville nine, Baylor 10. That's different. That's very different. And again, things will change, but still for them to at least be in the mix to a degree at this point via whatever means, you know, I mean, taking advantage of the new situation or whatever. Uh, it's interesting. The buffs at 12, uh, we, baby. Let's get Colorado back in it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Colorado is number 12. Wake Forest is 13. Cincinnati's 14. I mean, that's I not would even look old, at last old. year's class. We'll see how this ends up because, you know, it is a numbers game. But you look at last year's top players, top five players, okay, in the country on rivals. Went first, Travis Hunter, Jackson State, Walter Nolan, Texas A&M, Cade Klubnik went to Clemson, Luther Burden went to Missouri, Will Johnson went to Michigan. It's not, yeah. I mean, you know, it's pretty Jeremiah fascinating. Alexander goes to Alabama, Danny yep. Dennis Sutton goes to Penn State, got a couple, three Georgias in a row, Ohio State. I mean, I, McMillan goes to Arizona. I don't know why. Like, yeah, maybe it spreads out a little more. I, I, right. I, the, all the concern that Miami basketball is going to get good. Holy crap. Someone cares about Miami basketball. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Right? <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I just I don't get that. So, all right, we'll see, though. I, I'm not going to totally dismiss that they could somehow pull this off because I do think there is a possibility if. <laughs> OK, I'm almost going to dismiss it because it would require incredible competency. <laughs> and it, okay, <laughs> that's a danger right there. But. I do think you can say a player is not allowed to talk to the collective during the recruiting process. I don't know. And and then and not violate the basic premise of you can't dictate whether someone can make money. I, right. 
does does by not being able to field all those offers step in that way? I don't know. It's it's maybe it's it's a complicated one. Here's the other one. The other one that I'm a little more sympathetic to is the transfer portal. Right. And thir- 13 months ago, they passed a rule saying the one time transfer portal. You know, one time you join up, you can enter the portal and play no penalty. Now, in the past, you had to sit out one season. You would still get tuition, room, board, medical, training. You could practice with the team, tutoring, all the different things. You could collect Pell Grant money. You could get your stipend. So these kids are at the school coming out plus um, uh, cash positive, right? Yep. I mean, you can make 30, 40 grand at some of these schools being a college athlete right now. Yes. Okay, you could be in on a collective. Someone's paying, hey, every player gets 600 bucks or one of those deals. You get in on that. So you used to be able to do that, but then they got rid of it. Now you could just go one time, you could just move. That has created the free agency that I think is at least a more fair concern amongst players. And as a general sport, if you're trying to manage yourself, you don't want to see too much player movement. I'm not, you know, I'm fine with it, but I'm I'm at least, you know, I'm trying to be, you know, I, I get it. I totally get it. You don't want to see Pitt just get raided every year right. if they have a good play. Yep. So the thing that they should have never gotten rid of the the one-year sit-out. They should have just kept, if you want to transfer. I don't think it is punitive. I don't think it is mean-spirited. I don't think it is un- if you give a kid an f- extra year of college and all that goes with it. I think that's a, a winning argument. Yep. Yes, coaches can take a next job the next day. Yes, Lincoln Riley can coach Bedlam and by the morning be on, in L.A. Yes, Brian Kelly can switch before the damn season's over. <laughs> okay. But they have contracts, all of that. Um, I don't think, I, I think that's a winning. Now, their problem with the transfers historically is, and this is, of course, what happens, the coaches that are complaining abuse the hell out of the system. And they, the reason we have a transfer portal is because you could, they coaches used to be able to block where you wanted to go. And I was looking a couple of these up. I mean, is he 2018 backup QB Evan Sheriffs of Miami? Mm-hmm. Remember his illustrious career? Doubt it. <laughs> I remember his name. I don't remember him ever throwing the backup a backup QB at Miami. Right. He graduated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wanted to use his grad transfer to go to a school and get a free MBA. Miami blocked 18 schools. Two. Yeah. Just because they could. Right. 2009, Robert Marv, another quarterback from uh, Miami. 27 oh, yeah. schools. They blocked wow. the entire state of Florida, all the S- ACC and the SEC. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think it was 2010. West Lunt, Oklahoma State. Yep. Banned from 38 schools. Wow. Three conferences and future opponents, Central Michigan. Because Vindictive mullet. Vindictive and Central mullet. Michigan ended up winning that game on a Hail Mary, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they did. I think Mich- they did. Yeah. Disputed, disputed game. Had he gone but, there, he would have. They wouldn't have needed it because he would have had all the states he could. So the coaches and the administrators and the conference officials who oversaw all this sat there and allowed the system of college football to be completely outrageous, vindictive, mean. Show no concern for a player or his family. Yeah, no, that it's totally absurd. Right, pigs get fat. Hogs get slaughtered. Right. We've been saying that as podcast for a long time. You're getting your ass slaughtered right now. Yeah. Call up the mullet in Stillwater and say, why the hell did you ban a kid from 38 schools? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, look, that the facts of the matter 
again, the adults screw this up for the players, for the athletes, because they are trying to get some insane advantage, whatever it may be, you know, or just to be punitive and vindictive. But if you go back, and I understand your point about the one-year residency transfer thing being not being a bad thing, but it was completely inconsistent because in almost every sport in college athletics, you could transfer right away, but not football and basketball because it was too much, too vicious, and the backbiting and the infighting was too much, and so they raised such a stink that that's why they initiated the rule for the, for the year. Finally, football, they said men's and women's basketball and men's and women's hockey. Yeah. Maybe the three most uh, uh, baseball seems to be more popular than the hockey, but whatever. Yeah. Those are the only sports. So even then they were this is where the, they screwed it up. Yeah. And that's why you lost all of your goodwill and why you're on your heels, because for decades you guys did this and it's the same yep. damn people. Yeah. No, that's it. Is is, you know, again, Rules that are to benefit the people in power and to completely uh, disempower or unempower the, the the athletes. That's what that's what the whole thing has always been about. And it was it was all a competitive thing. And we're mad at that school. So no, that all of a sudden we have to have a rule where you have to sit out, and then we can tell you which schools you can't go to, which was always terrible. Uh, and so you you lose those. You're just dealing in bad faith. And so nobody thinks you're really in it for what's best for the athletes. But then you keep trying to trot that out there. The other part of that, though, then is, okay, waiver mania came in like, you know, 2017, 18, 19. And all of a sudden, everybody needs a waiver because everybody's grandma is sick and I need to be closer to grandma. And it was all a bunch of crap. I mean, not all of it. I'm sure there were some waivers that were legitimately humanitarian, family-oriented, but you open that loophole and they drove a train through it. And that's when all of a sudden the lawyers are coming in from everywhere. We'll file this brief and we'll show that you've been unfairly, you've have, you have suffered trauma and emotional distress at this school, and that's why you have to leave and be, be eligible elsewhere immediately. And I, it was funny, I, I was actually at Churchill Downs and talked to a basketball coach uh, this last week. He said that there was a kid who petitioned you know, his mental health was negatively impacted by being at this one school, so he petitioned to go to another one immediately. Well, now he's going back to that other school where his mental health was unstable. So, I mean, like, what are we doing? Oh, no, you had a story, you know, is this his grandma really got cancer? Can we, right. then you got people going, can I see the medical records? <laughs> right. right. So they were both too, then, so they were too hard and mean. Mm. Then they got too soft. Yep. And so to me, the way out of a lot of this, and I'll tell you why this probably won't happen too. It's not like I'm the first person to think of this, but you go back to the old system, allows a, a player to transfer anywhere they want. There are no restrictions allowed because that sucks. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you say you got to sit out a year. All of you, I don't care if you're the lowest member of the uh, cricket team or whatever they got up at Stanford. Everyone's got to sit out one year of competition, deal with it. Okay. They have that in high schools. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, will you get sued? Are you standing in the way of someone, someone's ability to uh, work? I don't know, because you can still say they can get paid by the collective and you still give them all their money. But if you if you do that, you get, give them all their their stipends and all their all the money that they have coming to them. I don't know. Do you lose in this in this in era? Maybe. But to me, this is the easier one to do. 
And I think if, if like, look, if Jordan Addison has to sit out a year, he isn't going anywhere. Right. Or if he really wants to go to USC and delay his NFL, he wants to leave Pitt to go to USC, he'd delay his entry to the NFL a year, then so be it. So sophomore, really good sophomores and juniors aren't going anywhere. Even if you're a freshman and you want to transfer, you're, a collective is going to essentially have to pay twice as much for a player because you're going to pay a kid to sit. Right. And the collective right. at his own school could... I think you'd take a tremendous amount of heat if you could go back 13 months and not establish that thing. Now, again, now you're going to have to take something away, which you probably lose in court. But if you're trying to draw a line in the sand, that's where I would go. But this all stems from them being unfair for too long and then mismanaging it and now trying to find their way out of of the wilderness. Yeah, no, I mean, (laughs) it's just, it's astounding how many different ways we can look at and say, yeah, the leaders of college sports a, they were greedy and short-sighted. B, they got themselves into trouble. Now, C, they're trying to find their way out of trouble because they, they just, I mean, oh my gosh, the lack of, of vision and compassion throughout the last 20 years or 40 or 60 or whatever. God, sports is This thing is amazing. just, there are so many issues and it's not just one-sided, right? So it's like you're too mean, then you're too soft. Okay, they're, they're diametrically opposed to making these players uh, employees, in part because then everybody at the all the athletes at the athletic department have to become employees. There's all sorts of complications. Yet at the same time, many of them wish there was a union to negotiate with because the NFL does not like the NFL Players Association, but it's a hell of a lot easier negotiating with one person you don't like than thousands of them. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And And a union would be very good for college football. I believe this. Now, there are complications, but you could then collectively bargain things like, hey, you're going to have to sit out a year if you try to transfer. You're going to be we can beat a lot of these antitrust things. You can't talk. And this union, a player's union would be have virtually no power. The only power a union has is the right to strike. If they can threaten a strike, a work stoppage, a strike, then the boss has to recognize that there is some power in that union because they can shut the whole thing down. And occasionally you probably got to strike just to remind them that you're serious. A national college football union or basketball union or all college sports even more will never strike. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, it would no not be, way it would you not be win the vote. most powerful union you'd be running up against. That's for it would sure. be the least powerful union. Yeah, It would basically be an association that you would be negotiating with and you could set up all sorts of stuff and work it out. And again, nobody, no, no, very, very rarely does a, does the boss want to deal with unions. Ownership wants to deal with unions. Right. That's, that's, it's a, it's a, but there are times when it is helpful because at least it's like, Hey, the NFL, we got that settled. We're good for a while. We can do business right now. There's so much chaos. It's hard to do business. But they don't want to do that because they don't want them employees. Other, I've had ADs say, look, our state legislature will almost immediately pass a law saying players can't be in the union because being anti-union is a popular right, political popular point, political even if it would actually help us get out of this problem. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is, again, your problem of like, we're in every state. We're in every corner of the state. Mm-hmm. We're in, I mean, good God. And then can, can you do that? I mean, it's just, it's just so many things open up where it's like, I don't know what to do. So 
there's times when it's like the solution is 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 there, but it's it's impossible. Yeah, I mean, and again, you just it would some of the solution would require continued breaking of the collegiate model, and there's still just a lot of resistance to that amongst people like university presidents, mostly, you know, and and people that are like we, we they that union step is one step too many for you've gotten them to retrench a certain amount, but they just don't want to take that next step. Uh, there's certainly resistance to that. Emmert was, and, was and there's very some, much there's some good resent. I'm not saying it's perfect. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm not saying that, but go ahead. I mean, no, but so, yeah, I mean, that's just, uh, that was like, Emmert was like, that's where we're drawing the line. We do not want employees. And I think he had, that was one thing he had some backing on. Uh, I don't know whether it was universal, whether it was even majority, but there was significant backing. Like we don't want to make these people employees of our university. They do not want to be employees. That was something Klyakov specifically mentioned they talked to Congress about. And I get those concerns in different ways, but there's it would boy, it would make things a little easier. But again, my thing is let's see what bad is actually happening. Right. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's see what bad is actually happening. It is it's a little chaotic. There's a lot of change, but like what happened? And that's why I think they're they're just it's just a struggle. But I mean College sports is hair is lit on fire right now. Oh, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, yeah, it is like a daily panic, and you can see it's it's kind of a little bit like Wall Street. If some people are panicking, oh my god, I guess we all better panic. Let's go, let's panic. Everyone panic. Maybe we Everybody. need a maybe we need a tampering portal. You know, where you can just turn somebody in in the portal, and yeah, this person well, tampered with this player of ours. Said, shouldn't shouldn't allow tampering. I, right. That seems reasonable, but again, how can you not? They're not employees. Right. They're just a college kid. You know, uh, what if a professor at one school tells a kid at another school that they should come to their school? Yeah, I actually I, the, the same person from the compliance space. We were arguing a bit over the uh, the tampering business. I just don't think I think tampering is going to be incredibly hard to enforce. He's like he said, for example, if Lincoln Riley directed their quarterback to start calling around to the top five wide receivers at other schools, including the kid at Pitt, that's tampering even though it's student-athlete to student-athlete communication. Well, yeah, sure, but what if the quarterback has been friends with the court with the receiver from Pitt since they were 16 years old, and he's calling up to say, hey, how's it going over there? By the way, if you want to come play at USC, that'd be awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah, and what if, tampering? what if it's they had a meeting and Lincoln Riley says, boy, you know, we could use some more wide receivers. Yeah, got any ideas? If you do, don't tell me, but, you know, yeah, go make saying. a call. No, it becomes very, very hard. Again, they're not employees. So there's only right. so many, like it, it, it's just a web of, of challenges. And then a lot of the language they're using as they're talking about college, it, what would be bad for college athletes, not necessarily bad for football players or basketball players. But mm-hmm. the concern is the booster money is not coming into the athletic department. It's going to players, which I think is great. But, and, and the rights that football players may need to be granted because this is such a big business shouldn't apply to whatever Olympic sport team that uh, that is not big business. And I understand, but this is the challenge. Are we going to lose some of the non-revenue sports, men's exactly. and women's? Right. College That's athletics why... does not want to lose them. I could right. care less. <laughs> I get my opinion is very unpopular. The U.S. Olympic Committee cares. That's why Sarah Hirschland joined those commissioners in D.C. To talk I'm sure to she folks. did. Yes, she did. Mm-hmm. What 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 party is she to this? Well, she she, she, she wants someone else to fund. Yeah, she, well, she wants somebody course. else to fund. 
fun. She wants the same sweetheart deal the NFL has. Yeah. Somebody else be the developmental system and we'll take advantage. Yes, this is great for us. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we're going to lose these things. But that's the U.S. That's that. It, right now, Olympic sports, men's and women's, is funded by football players generally and men's basketball players. And that money, they are not asking them, hey, do you want to fund with you, the money we can't give you? They're just saying you're doing it. If nobody else wants to fund a bunch of teams at any school, let's take whatever, take Alabama. If the school doesn't want to fund whatever, how many teams they have, if the boosters don't want to fund it, if the student body doesn't want to fund it with increased athletic fees or athletic fees, I don't know, they probably don't have any. Why should Bryce Young have to fund it? If the USOC doesn't want to fund it, why should Bryce Young fund it? Why should he care? Why, why does he not even get a vote on the money he and his teammates are bringing in, getting siphoned off and saying, you don't get this, these people do? Well, yeah, for sure. Except now Bryce Young's getting plenty of money. So, But he uh, could get more. No one's saying to maybe, Aaron Rodgers. Here's Rogers, what you could do, though. I mean, you want to. I mean, if you want to look at costs, I'd say maybe take the forty third, forty fourth, and forty fifth employees in the Alabama football staff chain and say we don't need you because we actually want to fund this other like softball, which we're really good at, where we win national championships. If we got to make that choice, maybe we don't have quality control guy in charge of third and long. Maybe the assistant coaches who always used to do that could knuckle down and do third and long. But something, something's got to give, right? So Theoretically, you're, co- yes. you're counting on athletic department X to say we're not doing this. I mean, you go to college athletics, you know, we walk through these. Talk about gold-plated facilities. Ugh. Like some of these <laughs> some of these softball fields and lacrosse fields. You're like, wow. Sure. But, uh, well, we get TV money. We get this TV money. Yeah, what, what's the, t- the TV money is football-based. You're asking football players to fund all of these other sports. You know, I'll say it over and over, but football and men's basketball players, I don't, I'm not sure exactly the percentages, but there is a certainly a, a higher number, perhaps, that come from less advantaged backgrounds than a lot of the sports that they're funding require are generally played in the suburbs and generally are products of very expensive travel travel sports organizations you don't that just become is, a, a lacrosse player your, your parents spent 15 grand a year to have you become a lacrosse player that is true but they're so taking from poor kids and poor families and giving them to rich kids eh, and rich that's families. an oversimplification because first i mean like look how, how many not perfect they give out not, scholarships with an eyedropper in those sports i know it's a third of the sport and all that yeah but, but they also let the kids in. Some of these teams, I saw a lacrosse team the other day had 45 kids on the lacrosse team. The <laughs> roster had 45 players on a lacrosse yeah. team. Yeah. Well, lacrosse, if you've never seen it, has 10 people on the field counting the goalie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, what, what is like, that's more than football. That's a great, I mean, you know, I mean, so, so, but, but that's all right. That's the argument of like, oh, well, you got to keep all these sports. It's good for the Olympics. Well, why does why does the football players have to fund all this? Why it's not the, it's not their it's not their job to fund the Olympic movement. Who cares about the U.S. Olympic team? Would still have people go in the Olympics. Maybe they win. Maybe they don't. But twelve point six scholarships for men's lacrosse. So if there's forty five of them out there, most of them are, are paying their own. Way. Yeah, because most of them are happy to pay because they've been paying to play lacrosse their whole life. Right. But they got a. They might have gotten a nod into school that they wouldn't have got into. They might have. They might have. So would it matter if that went to zero? Yeah, 
and you yeah. just had club lacrosse, would it? Uh, that your Why should any your... kid playing lacrosse get a full scholarship? They get financial aid like any other normal student. They could. First of all, they they will still bring positive exposure to your school. Not as much as football, but they will. Johns if, Hopkins. If they win. Yeah. Johns Hopkins lacrosse. People have heard of it. People know. that's John Hopkins undoubtedly funds their athletic department through student fees, not from, their, sure not from they the football do. team. I'm just saying you can't just sit there. and Where's the money coming from? The pile of money is from football and men's basketball players. It is. I, again, I mean, like broad There's no based, SEC network without football. No, there's not. Broad-based athletic programs have been part of college athletics since the 1800s. Uh, I think they have been good for college athletics. And I, while we have seen football and basketball continue to get almost everything they want in terms of facilities and staffing, now the players want some good. Give the players some. I still don't want to see that come out on the backs of the of the other sports, personally. Okay, in a perfect world, it wouldn't. Or maybe though all those athlete scholarships would go to more kids who are actually academically minded. I don't know. But maybe, although again, hey, now well, you know, if you want to compare GPAs between the general student body and most of the people in Olympic sports, gonna be higher on the athletic side. Well, yeah, they got the tutors doing their homework for them. <laughs> No, you don't in cross country and wrestling and swimming. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no. Tutors, um, what? Look, ideally, no. but you got to look at, got to follow the money. These guys are making the money. So it's just, it's super complicated on where this is going to end up, which is why I'd be like, listen, man, relax. Let's see what happens. I agree. I, I would like to see this play out for, for another entire recruiting cycle. And let's see if the players, the talent disperses, which I, I continue to believe it will. Uh, Andy Schwartz, the sports economist uh, who's testified in the NCAA lawsuits, very smart guy. He, his prediction to me a year ago uh, when and I, you know, it would at the margins spread out the talent. I think it'll be more than the margins. But again, it's not like we're now seeing Alabama sign the top five players. It's Alabama's going to get all the players. Alabama is not the richest school in the country. Georgia is not the richest school in the country. And that's where, I mean, Texas Again, I, might be. Texas is darn rich. USC's really rich. Notre Dame's really rich. Notre Dame and USC right now are doing pretty well. Okay. Yeah. It's just a, it's a totally uh, different dynamic. All right. Speaking of recruiting, favorite recruit, Arch Manning. Yes. Still uncommitted. Take your time, Arch. I want Arch to take his time. I think it's probably better for him. He can enjoy him his summer. Think about everything, but also he can give us podcast material all summer. If he wants to send out a few false flags, maybe take a, you know, post a cryptic Instagram video or something that indicates he's considering Tulsa, we're here for it. But keep it going, Arch. We need you. All right. Uh, Archie Manning spoke out about the current situation in college, which he wishes it would be a little bit more uh, uniform. I'm sure that Arch is getting thrown at everything. Interesting development in recruiting. There's a lot of belief that we that Arch Manning is now a Texas or Georgia situation. Mm-mm-mm. We're not sure. Old Miss, of course, is always going to be in there. Uh, Alabama, which was uh, certainly uh, high on the list, appears to be more inside, uh, more involved with Eli Holstein, who was a Texas A&M recruit who, from uh, Louisiana, who then decommitted. And uh, there's a bunch of crystal balls for Holstein from Zachary, Louisiana to Alabama. 
which suggests if they're going that hard after Holstein, possibly Alabama believes that they are not going to get the other great quarterback recruit from Louisiana. Right. So this is how deep this is getting. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. We have internet speculation (laughs) on the, on Nick Saban made a call to a recruit. What do you think, Pat, Georgia or Texas? Uh, that would be wild. It would, I mean, it'd be really wild for, for two reasons. First of all, you're just not convinced. I'm not convinced Texas is going to be any good. I've got to see it before I believe it. Secondly, I'm not convinced Georgia is ever going to be a super quarterback friendly place to play. Got to see it to believe it. So uh, for those two reasons, if I'm Arch Manning, I would have some concerns. And I, and I think we, we said, where would you go if you were Arch on this podcast? And I said Alabama uh, because they have become so quarterback friendly. Things can change. I mean, I, you know, it'd be great if, if, if Kirby Smart continued to follow his Nick Saban evolution, as he kind of has to, as a head coach, then the next evolution is they become a spread it and chuck it offense. But again, we got, is that going to be a Todd Munkin thing? I don't know. Uh, I mean, they, you know, one thing that's become very, very obvious in the last five years or so is that quarterback is very much a zero sum game at the college level, whereas if you got a good one, I'm leaving or I'm not going. I'm not sure Arch Manning needs to be scared off by anybody else, but Alabama may have gotten a signal. He's not coming to us, so we got to go elsewhere. All right, uh, Pat, as uh, you well know, and anyone who read Pat's uh, fine uh, reporting from Louisville this uh, weekend, the Kentucky Derby happened. Rich Strike comes out of nowhere. Looked like Dale Earnhardt back in the day as he swerved through the pack to win the Kentucky Derby. 80 to one shot. I'm guessing since you are uh, on this podcast today, you did not make millions of dollars on that bet. <laughs> yeah, because I would. Yeah, I would have been retired on the spot. It was the most shocking outcome I've ever seen in a horse race. Wasn't even period. entered in the field as of Friday. Was not going to make the race in the last minutes before they basically shut down who was in and who was out. The trainer was telling everybody in his, his barn help. Uh, his friends, his family, we're not getting in. And then all of a sudden at the last minute, scratch, and they are getting in. I mean, like that horse, and I saw him every morning at the track, and I paid him no attention whatsoever. First of all, didn't think he was going to get in. And secondly, why would you anyway? He wasn't any good. It was incredible. Just incredible. Uh, it was. Incredible move by the jockey and that the closing speed. Very exciting race. Very fun. Very. All right. Well, uh, our friend Mike Leach, Mississippi State, he had uh, his thoughts on the Kentucky Derby. That horse winning the Kentucky Derby today is a good example of why an expanded college football playoff is needed. <laughs> <laughs> There's Leach kind of hopscotching from one idea to another. Maybe a reach. That horse hadn't won all the races leading up, but it got its chance, and that's what happened. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know that we need winless teams in the college football playoff. Yeah, right. That horse won one race. Let's go, Minutemen. Yeah. <laughs> The horse I bought was one and six in his lifetime in terms of wins versus losses. It is hard uh, to go undefeated, of course. Horse racing. Very hard in horse racing. <laughs> yeah. If one and six gets in, then yes, there's hope for New England United still. Rich Strzok ain't played nobody, Paul. <laughs> and he hadn't. I mean, the whole thing's <laughs> preposterous. But, uh, yeah. but does he have a point, I guess? I don't know. Uh, I mean... In theory, as a point that more more people under the tents is always better, uh, you know, at, to a certain point. Twenty in a horse race is a lot, uh, but 
I would sure like to see, yes, some, some obviously some of the teams get a chance. But I asked Sully to look, and it's like, who was 80 to 1? Who's 80 right to 1? Now? Who do you got, we Sully? We got Pitt, Wake Forest, Purdue, Cincinnati, Penn State, so Baylor. Okay. Yeah, and I like that would be fun to, like we talked last year, it would have been great for Pitt to have gotten in the playoff, uh, a 12 team playoff. They would have been in with Kenny Pickett and the wayward Jordan Addison and would have been fun. But it's not quite apples to apples because this horse honestly was like Central Michigan getting in the playoff or East Carolina or something. So it's even more astronomical. But the theory, the idea, let's give more people a chance at the big prize. Why not? So unfortunate football games are not two minutes and you win one and all of a sudden you're the national champion. But if they had a 12 team or 20 team dodgeball game that lasted 20 minutes and you somehow escaped getting hit that that's kind of like what rich strike did people's court I don't uh, yeah i guess it'd be i mean it would be a boring horse race it was just a match race two guys right yeah those <laughs> races aren't that much fun i thought it was a match race coming down the stretch i was counting my money because i did have epicenter and zandon and i was getting ready to kill that thing at the window so i was rather displeased to see the 21 horse looming up didn't even get mentioned until he won no, it was ridiculous. Well, he's fast, man. He needs a chance. He's he's not fast. He's slow, but he was he he could go a mile and a quarter. That's his that's his claim to fame. Oh well, whatever. Bitter. Uh, <laughs> yes. Way to go, Rich Strike. Um, <laughs> people's Court. Let's end this with a People's Court. All right. Okay, Sully, you're in on this too. Uh, the Port Arthur, Texas Police Department. The Port Arthur, Texas Police Department. Home of home of one Bun B and Pimp C of UGK fame. Really? <laughs> the Golden Triangle, I think, Port Arthur is involved in. With Beaumont and some other town. There we go. Southeast right Texas. Now. Beaumont, Port Arthur, and Orange. I am good with geography, man. The Golden Triangle. There we go. <laughs> not the Bermuda Triangle, though. If you've been there, that's kind of funny because, I mean, it's not not what you've known as maybe the like the most desirable place to live in the country. Some I great, say that as someone who's in Great football players from Orange. Yeah, a lot of great players. Anyway, there's a very intriguing legal case here. A man named Marcus Hubbard is wanted for burglary. And uh, Marcus did this. He uh, was caught on security video burglarizing a home and that included taking a lawnmower from the home without the owner's consent, filling it with gas, and then mowing the front and backyard, and then leaving with the mower. Wait, all right, so he mowed the victim's yard? The, the yes. people who own the mower? Well, that's kind of a nice turn. He's captured yeah. on film, filling the lawnmower with gasoline, then mowing the property's yard front and back at night. Vehicles with their headlines turned on could be seen passing the house as the as Hubbard cuts the grass. When the officer arrived at the scene, Hubbard ran from the area, dragging the lawnmower, uh, but then dumped it in an alley and took off. And he is, according as of now, he is not found. He is on the loose and considered, I don't know, uh, handy. <laughs> Uh, your thoughts on a burglar who did a, maybe he's trying to steal the mower or maybe he just panicked because the cops showed up. Would you be okay with someone breaking into your garage or, or tool shed or wherever you keep your mower, taking that mower without telling you and then mowing your lawn? Is that really a crime? Well, I, I mean, I would say that we, we, first of all, we have a lawnmower crime wave going on. 
There's right? the second this, lawn. Well, this is what spurred everyone to send me this. Of course, right. Yes, because the the Flomaton <laughs> or Flomaton bandit yeah. uh, in Alabama that heisted the lawnmower and made a low speed chase out of there. Uh, so I, I think you know nationals. Uh, law enforcement needs to be on the lookout for for a crime wave of stolen lawnmowers. Uh, but secondly, no, I think I would I would be thrilled if somebody did this because I don't like mowing the lawn. I'm not like you. I don't want to you know go out and make my lawn all perfect and then stare at it and drink a bush light. So I'm fine if you want to come steal my lawnmower, fill it with <laughs> gas and mow my lawn. And I, I mean I would like you to bring it back eventually, but please come come take my lawnmower. Okay, Sully, Justice uh, Sullivan. Uh, yeah, I'm with Pat. Mow it, and if you if you left it in the, you know, alley, a couple doors over, my neighbor will find it, bring it back to me eventually. We'll be okay. Yeah. So, um, or even if that guy <laughs> wants to come back and do it again, yeah, you know, we could. Sure. I, I mean, I I'll show up to his hearing and say, all right, don't need to lock him up. <laughs> But I'll pay him, you know, 50 bucks or whatever weekly to come mow my lawn. And every, he's got a job there and every, everybody's happy. You could be his character. That's with right. That's I right. um. So, look, I, I don't want anyone touching my lawnmower. We need less people like in I, When I go to, like, the Olympics and stuff and we got to hire someone to come help, like one of my, one of my friend's kids or something, it's unnerving. <laughs> um, however... I, I respect that if he was going to steal the mower, he didn't leave the homeowner just high and dry. He gave him at least a yeah. week to get a new mower yeah, before the lawn got out of control. Very considerate. So I appreciate that. That was That's a nice touch. All right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think I just slap on the wrist. Slap on the wrist. Don't do it again. Don't do it again. Marcus Hubbard. But be careful. Man is out there practicing horticulture. <laughs> All right. Guilty of horticulture. <laughs> Budding arborist. All right. Uh, that's our show. We've gone on long enough. We'll be back uh, later in the week. Who knows what will happen next. Continue to subscribe. Appreciate all you guys listening, sharing your son, uh, social media. We will talk to you later. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.